It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited about uh, this topic today. Something really, really interesting is going on up at the University of Utah, and that is a study, a nationwide study that's being conducted uh, to look at pregnancy and COVID 19. Uh, and I can only imagine that there are a lot of pregnant women out there right now who are really scared about this virus and what it means for them being pregnant. I have a sister-in-law who's pregnant, and I know that they are taking a lot of precautions there in Georgia. Um, but I can just only imagine that's adding to women's anxieties out there. So I wanted to talk about this today, uh, some of the facts, some of the things you need to know about being pregnant uh, during this pandemic, and also talk about this study. Uh, the lead researcher, Dr. Tori Metz, is an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology. She's an OB up at the University of Utah. Dr. Metz, thank you for joining me today. Uh, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, okay. So tell me just first and foremost, if you can, give me a, an overview of this study. How many women are you looking at, and what are you hoping to find out? Absolutely. The study is a multi-center study, as you mentioned, that's happening across the United States at a number of centers that are part of a research consortium called the Maternal Fetal Medicine Units Network, which is uh, funded through the National Institutes of Health. Um, and for this particular study, we are trying to answer a couple of research questions. The first one is um, just related to the impact of COVID-19 infection on pregnant women and what the outcomes are for moms and babies when a mom does uh, acquire COVID-19 infection compared to women who did not have the infection during pregnancy. Um, for that part of the study, we're looking to enroll about 2,000 women. Uh, for the other part of the study, we're looking at everybody else who's delivering during this time. As you mentioned, we know that women have a lot of concerns both about the infection, but just about what's happening in healthcare right now. Um, there's been obviously a lot of changes in response to the pandemic. And so the other thing that we're looking at is just women who are delivering during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, what are their outcomes and their baby's outcomes in comparison to women who delivered last year at this time, regardless of whether they have COVID-19 infection. And for that part of the study, we're actually looking to enroll about 20,000 women across the uh, various centers. Okay, so this will be a nationwide study. You are going to take some women from Utah, I imagine. Yes, absolutely. Yep. We will be recruiting women from uh, the University of Utah Hospital as well as um, Intermountain Healthcare. Okay, so you're looking at whether, uh, you know, women who are pregnant and get COVID, that has any impact on their births, whether they have like preterm births or more cesarean sections or any complications like that? Exactly. Um, we definitely worry that women get infections in pregnancy, that it could put them at risk for pregnancy complications, which is what we're looking at uh, with that portion of the study. So we are trying to identify women who have been diagnosed with a COVID-19 infection, and we'll do that by um, uh, looking for medical records in which women have been diagnosed with COVID-19 infection, and then basically looking at the outcomes for them in comparison to uh, women who uh, do not have COVID-19 infection. 
Specifically, we are worried about things like having to be delivered early, needing to be delivered by cesarean, and also looking at things like are, are women getting very ill? Are they requiring things like being admitted to the intensive care unit or requiring help with breathing uh, as we're seeing in people who are getting more sick with this COVID-19 infection? Talk to me about what we know right now about pregnancy and COVID. Now, it's only March. The, the women who... Um, you know, may have become pregnant and are having babies right now, didn't have a pandemic throughout most of their pregnancy. So do we know anything about COVID and pregnancy right now? So um, in terms of COVID-19 infection and pregnancy, um, there are some things that we know, but a lot that we don't know. Um, Obviously, this is very new. None of us anticipated this coming. We're learning each day different things about the infection and the ramifications of the infection. Some of the early information about COVID-19 and pregnancy um, came out mostly from New York City, uh, which was obviously the epicenter of uh, the epidemic in the United States. They were really hit hard very early by a very high rate of infection in New York City. Uh, Fortunately, uh, my colleagues there have uh, published information about their experience. They have seen that women who Uh, have COVID-19 infection, about 8% of them go on to develop severe infection, and about 1% of them go on to become critically ill or requiring ICU admission and things like ventilators. That's actually very similar to the non-pregnant population, which we are glad to see, honestly, because normally women who are pregnant actually get hit much harder with viral infections. I'm sure that people know that, for instance, with the flu, when pregnant women get the flu, they get much more ill much faster um, than people who are non-pregnant. And that's because the immune system changes a lot during pregnancy uh, for the mom to be able to tolerate having a fetus there that doesn't have all the same genetics that they do um, because some of them are coming from dads. So we do see that pregnant women can get much more ill with infections. And so it's nice to see with COVID that that's not happening. Now, that being said, obviously, we don't ever want pregnant women to get infections, and so we we want pregnant women to continue to take precautions to really try to avoid being infected, Um, but we are seeing some, some, having some reassurance in that they don't seem to be disproportionately affected compared to non-pregnant people. Yeah, that is good news. Uh, I know for me, after I have a baby, my immune system is all over the place because I usually get sick at least three or four times in the postpartum period, which is like a cruel twist of fate <laughs> that you're trying to take care of a newborn while feeling ill. Are are women postpartum more at risk with the that kind of fluctuation in immune system? We don't think so, although we have seen some reports of women um, who you know, were mildly symptomatic before they delivered, who then became much more ill after they delivered. That could be circumstantial as well. It could just be, you know, true true and unrelated. They happened to live to deliver at a be- the beginning of their illness that was going to get worse anyway, but there was some concern early on that women were potentially, delivery was potentially exacerbating the illness. That hasn't really continued to be seen in other studies, and so that's not something that we're concerned about at this time. But that being said, you know, we are so early in our information about pregnancy and COVID-19 infection. Um, The information that we have is, you know, only on a few hundred women from different hospitals across the United States. And that's why we really wanted to undertake this larger study to really be able to inform women of what 
uh, how COVID-19 infection is affecting pregnant women and their newborns um, so that we can provide people with more robust scientific information that they can, um, they can use. When will you have the results finalized? When will you know all this information? How long will it take? Um, as you can imagine, it will take some time to, you know, look at detailed medical records on 20,000 women. We do have, obviously, research staff at all of the participating centers that will be working very hard to get this data as quickly as we can get it. Now, um, that being said, we do want to watch women throughout the year. We are concerned, as others are, that there could be a second wave of this virus come the fall and winter. Um, we want to make sure that we have information from that time period as well. So we anticipate the results of the study wouldn't be available until early 2021. Um, as this becomes what appears to be a little bit of a prolonged course and something that's going to be part of our day-to-day -day lives for the foreseeable future, um, we do still think the results will be very relevant at that time. The other thing is that we don't know what's going to come down the pike next um, in the world, Is it, you know, it, whether it could be another virus or um, you know, something else that would cause us to really globally change the way that healthcare functions. And that's the other thing that we're really trying to assess with this study. When we're looking at people who are just being cared for during this time that don't have the infection, we're trying to evaluate, you know, have the changes to healthcare, changes in society, the things that we're all doing in our communities. Is that influencing outcomes for moms and babies during this time? You know, things like moving more to doing telemedicine instead of having patients come in, decreasing the number of visitors that we have in the hospital. All of these things that we've done in response to the pandemic to try to keep people safe, um, we want to see if that is influencing our outcomes at all. And that's the other really big piece of the study that I think will hopefully um, give us information should we ever have anything like this again um, where we need to make big changes to the healthcare system so we can do that in an informed way. Yeah, some really important questions. Dr. Tori Metz is the Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology up at the University of Utah, commissioning a nationwide study uh, to look at pregnant women uh, with COVID-19 and, and how that's affecting their outcomes. We'll take a break. More with Dr. Metz when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into The Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today. We are talking with an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology and OB up at the University of Utah, Dr. Tori Metz. She is leading a nationwide look into pregnancy and coronavirus. They're doing a nationwide study uh, looking at around 21,000 pregnant women to determine how having COVID-19 affects pregnancy and subsequent births. Uh, Dr. Metz, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah. Now, we've talked a little bit about what this study aims to do to look to see if COVID produces any, uh, you know, unintended consequences like preterm births or unnecessary C-sections or um, just birth complications like that. But another piece of this study, and would you would you say it's a, a bigger piece of the study, is looking at sort of how the new uh, way we're all seeing doctors and especially pregnant women seeing their OBs. Uh, how that's going to impact births and pregnancy. Yes, I mean, I would say that that's 
um, that that's more of the primary research question that we started to develop as we thought about this. Um, obviously, as we go about this, we also do want to look at the impact of the infection itself, like you mentioned. But what initially drove us to think about this study was that, you know, as clinician investigators, so all of us take care of patients and do research, um, we saw that all these healthcare changes that were being made. Um, and we wondered how this would influence moms in terms of uh, pregnancy complication rates. Um, we know that we're seeing things in places like New York City that had early cases where, you know, they they aren't seeing as many people come into the emergency department. And they don't think that that's because people don't need emergency care. They think it's because people are worried about coming in. And so, you know, they've definitely seen a much lower rate of people coming in to get treatment for heart attacks. We don't think that's because less people are having heart attacks. We're worried that's, that people are having heart attacks and dying at home. And so it's, it's in part the healthcare changes. It's also in part the patient changes in terms of um, how much they want to come into the hospital. There's been, you know, obviously, you know, following social media and such, uh, as an obstetrician, you know, I see a lot of uh, women saying things like, maybe I should have a home birth um, during this time and not go to the hospital. I think people sort of feel like hospitals are these, you know, centers of all these infections and they fear um, going in for care, and so we worry that that will ultimately result in more complications if women aren't able to feel comfortable coming in for care. And so that's the piece that um, we wanted to look at as well. Yeah, that's a really important piece. I think, you know, there are probably a lot of pregnant women who are nervous about going to hospitals. Um, like we talked about, just pregnancy in general brings a little bit of increased susceptibility, right, to different illnesses. And so, like you said, if they're if they're scared to go to the doctor's office, maybe you're not catching the preeclampsia that they have during pregnancy because they're not attending all their well visits. Or maybe you're not catching the high blood pressure because you can't take their blood pressure at home and, and things like that that can lead to serious complications in pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. And those are exactly the things that we want to look at. We're looking at a variety of morbidity that could arise um, or pregnancy complications that could arise as a result of potentially delaying care. And one of them is exactly what you mentioned, that, you know, somebody could potentially have high blood pressure at home that wouldn't be detected. They would come in, you know, in a later phase of um, an illness called preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure and protein in your urine during pregnancy. Um, we have definitely done things here at the university to try to mitigate that. So we were very fortunate to find a donor who was willing to provide women who wanted to do telehealth visits with a blood pressure cuff so that they could check their blood pressures at home so we wouldn't be missing things like that. Um, but that's exactly the concern. Yeah, I can understand that. Okay, so talk to me about uh, in our last just minute or so of this segment Best case scenario with this study, I mean, are you hoping to just say, oh, COVID doesn't have that big of an impact on pregnant women? Like, that would probably seem like best case scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best case scenario. I think we will see that it does have an impact on pregnant women. And it's, and, and it's just a question of what exactly those impacts are and how can we quantify them. You know, is it that they are requiring preterm delivery more frequently because they are getting very sick? Is it that they're requiring cesarean delivery again because they're getting very sick? Um, is there a risk of 
transmitting the virus to the newborn baby? Um, and are there things we can do to help minimize that? So all of those questions are things that we're trying to answer for women because we know that there's, those are the things that people are worrying about. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Tori Metz, an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Utah. We'll take a break. Uh, Dr. Metz, you mentioned sort of that, um, can you pass COVID down to your baby? I kind of want to talk about some of those uh Uh, worries that pregnant moms might have right now about being pregnant during this pandemic. We'll do that when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning (laughs) and then someone hands you a baby. (laughs) This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Having a conversation today about what pregnant women need to know about coronavirus. I've sort of talked this about this before on the Mom Show, but I think it's always good to uh, reiterate. I I think pregnant women are often more susceptible to more illnesses while pregnant, you know, your immune system's doing weird things just as you're trying to grow a human inside of you. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot that can happen, uh, when you're pregnant and adding this, this worry about this illness on top of it certainly isn't helping. So on the line with me now, Dr. Tori Metz is an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology up at the university of Utah. Dr. Metz, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so uh, you're actually working on a study where you're going to look at the effects of COVID in pregnancy, but what do we know right now in terms of how susceptible women are and what precautions they need to take uh, during the pandemic? We worry in general about pregnant women being more susceptible to infections. Uh, We know from data we have about flu that women uh, can develop get flu more often when they're pregnant as well as become more critically ill when they have flu. Now we aren't seeing that women are becoming more critically ill than non-pregnant people um, when they have COVID infections so far. And so that is good. Um, We don't know if they're more susceptible to it. We don't have that information yet. The CDC is collecting information about whether people are pregnant when they're tested. And so as state health departments submit that information to the CDC, I do anticipate that we will have that data, but we just don't have it yet. Um, In terms of preventative infection, it's the same as preventing any kind of infection in that we really have to do very careful hand hygiene. Excellent hand, hand washing is going to be the most important thing. Anytime you're going out, to the grocery store or anywhere else um, and you're coming back into your home, you know, you need to really make sure that you're washing your hands, not touching your face, your mouth, your eyes. That's where um, we worry that coronavirus can be transmitted. Obviously, we really encourage pregnant women to also wear a mask when they are out. Um, That protects them and it protects those around them. We definitely have seen decreased transmission in places where people have been attentive to wearing masks out in public. And so we definitely encourage our pregnant women to do that as well. Yeah. Now, what are the risks if a mom who is pregnant right now gets coronavirus? Is it automatically going to go to her unborn baby? No, we don't. We we have not yet seen that it goes across the placenta and infects babies. I think that's a question that we are really interested in. There have been some reports where 
we look at, you know, different antibodies in the baby's blood at the time of delivery, and we have seen babies forming some antibodies to the infection, which makes us wonder if there is some cross of the virus across the placenta. Now, some antibodies, though, always transfer from moms to babies, and so we'd expect them to, to be there even if the baby's not infected. And so it's a little bit tricky to determine that. It's certainly something that we're interested in, but it's not something that we've seen so far, that the virus can actually go from the mom to the baby. And so we think the cases that have happened in babies have been more related to contact after the delivery. And so that's when we, again, need to be really careful uh, about making sure that moms are really washing their hands very well before, you know, breastfeeding the baby, caring for the baby, um, just in case they have uh, coronavirus that it wouldn't then be transmitted to the newborn. Mm, that makes my anxiety kind of go sky high because I know for me after I gave birth, I was so anxious in a non-COVID year about germs and I can just remember being hypersensitive and I I still am kind of this way. So I know it's me and not <laughs> just pregnancy, but um, just being hypersensitive to everything I touch. And I just remember thinking how exhausting this is going to be to to have this level of hypervigilance with this new baby that I'm tasked with protecting. Um, can you give any comfort to moms like me who might be super anxious in regard to germs and get a little bit OCD postpartum? Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't want to make moms crazy and make them, you know, concerned about touching and holding their babies. You have to do that. We want you to do that. Um, you know, we are actually testing all women who deliver here at the University of Utah, as are the other hospitals in the Salt Lake area. And so moms who deliver here know if they're COVID negative or positive, which I think can be helpful in terms of reassuring them. Um, but obviously COVID's in our community. And so we don't want you to be um, scared to be with and hold your baby. We just want you to exercise caution. You know, wash your hands before you're going to breastfeed because that hand is going to be right up by the baby's mouth. Um, you know, I think that's something that we would encourage anytime. Um, and so it's just, just being, you know, a little bit more vigilant about the things that we would typically recommend anyway is going to be the best way to keep um, moms and babies safe. Now, we hear a lot about uh, people with underlying conditions uh, being more at risk for COVID. Are pregnant women considered an underlying condition? They don't seem to be at higher risk for COVID in particular. Um, we do worry about the immunologic changes that we see in pregnancy, putting them at slightly higher risk, but so far the information that we have does not seem like they're at higher risk. Now that being said, we have a lot of women who are pregnant who have diabetes or who have high blood pressure already before they get pregnant. And we are seeing that similar to the non-pregnant population, those women are at higher risk of having more severe infections if they do get COVID infections. Okay, good to know. Talk to me a little bit about breastfeeding and coronavirus. Do we know yet if, I mean, we know that breastfeeding gives antibodies, right, that your that your body makes as the mom to the baby, and that's why we hear a lot about the benefits of it. These antibodies, do we know if COVID antibodies pass on through breast milk? They should. I mean, all, as you mentioned, antibodies do cross into breast milk. That is one of the breast the benefits of breastfeeding. Nobody has actually yet measured to see what that antibody response looks like and whether it specifically has 
process of the breast milk, but it should follow the pattern of other infections and viruses, and we would have anticipated that it would. Okay, very good. We're talking with Dr. Tori Metz. She's an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology and OB up at the University of Utah. Dr. Metz, any final thoughts on um, pregnancy and COVID? Like, what are you telling your patients that I haven't asked you about? Um, You know, we are telling our patients that, you know, we want um, them to try to stay at home as much as they can. Um, You know, it's, you know, better to try to minimize exposures during this time if it's possible. We recognize that, you know, that's not always possible. Um, In terms of their own care, we want to encourage them that we are doing everything that we can to make sure the hospital is a safe place to be. Our hospitals and our clinics, we are taking so many safety precautions. And so if there is a reason that they are feeling like they need to be evaluated for something that's going on with their pregnancy, we really want them to come in and be evaluated. Um, I think that that's a really important message. We also do still feel very much that a hospital birth is safe, and we want women to feel comfortable coming into the hospital to have a birth. And um, know that, you know, they don't have to worry that we are going to be exposing them to the virus by coming uh, to the hospital to get birth. Yeah, that's really a, an important message. Dr. Tori Matz, Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Utah. They're conducting a study to look at pregnant women and how COVID affects pregnancy and subsequent births. Um, I'd invite you to go podcast this episode wherever you podcast to listen to all of the questions that they're going to answer through that study. We'll take a break. One last segment with Dr. Metz when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us, doc, talking with Dr. Tori Metz. She's an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology up at the University of Utah. We talked a little bit ago about a study that they're commissioning, a nationwide study, to look at thousands of pregnant women to see how coronavirus has affected their pregnancies and subsequent births, whether there are more complications. And then ultimately, they're looking, too, at whether healthcare practices that have changed, uh, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, a lot more virtual appointments, um, people not going into the doctor's office, perhaps as much, how that impacts pregnancy. Uh, Dr. Metz, now we talked a little bit about, okay, there could be some complications like high blood pressure or, um, you know, preeclampsia or stuff like pregnancy complications that women could miss at home, how how are you advising your patients when it comes to, you know, meeting virtually, but still being on the lookout for these things? Yeah, fortunately, even before this started, we were well set up to do virtual care here at University of Utah Hospital, and that's because we really take care of patients throughout this whole region, you know, throughout our whole state and sometimes even surrounding states, especially people who have complex medical problems. And so uh, we have really moved a lot of our uh, prenatal care to virtual care, as you mentioned. And so we're able to get on what's similar to a Zoom or a FaceTime or some kind of platform like that and speak with patients face-to-face, but not be seeing them in person. We, you know, do encourage patients who want to do that to be equipped to do that at home. And that means, you know, getting them a fetal uh, Doppler so that they can listen to the baby's heart rate and make sure that that's okay. 
getting them a blood pressure cap so that they can make sure their blood pressure is okay, and then having them have a scale so we can look at weight gain over pregnancy. But if they have those things at home, we really do feel like it's safe to do these visits remotely like that. And we definitely have had a lot of patients who have wanted to take advantage of, of that during this time. Yeah. What's your main concern when it comes to women perhaps being scared to go to a doctor's office for risk of more germs being at that doctor's office? Like, what's the main thing you're seeing that women are missing? Yeah, I mean, I think some things just do require an in-person visit. You know, much of prenatal care can be done remotely, like I just said. But, some, you know, there are things that require you to come in. I mean, if you need an ultrasound to, you know, look at all of your baby's anatomy, that requires a visit. If you need a lab test, that requires a visit. And so, you know, there are points throughout prenatal care where we really do need you to come in, women to come in for a visit so that we can do um, the procedure or the testing that needs to be done at that time. When they come in, you know, we are just being very cautious of making sure that everything is clean, everything is safe. All the providers and healthcare workers are wearing masks. We're asking all patients to wear masks. Um, we are limiting visitors into the hospital so that we're not introducing extra people. Um, so I do want to reassure people that when they do need to come in, we have made a, we have created a safe environment for them to do so. Um, there's obviously a number of complaints, there complications that could come up where you need to be seen. You know, if you're having contractions and you think you might be in labor, we want you to come in. If you break your bag of water, you have bleeding, any of those things, really that requires a, a visit. And we do want people to come in for those things. And we are making that as safe as we possibly can for them to do that. Yeah. Now, I know you work with pregnant women because you're an OB, but certainly you have experience with newborn babies as well and delivering them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I personally wish we got more postpartum care because I think there's a lot more that can happen postpartum. I mean, that's not to say there's not a lot that yeah. can happen in pregnancy, but I just felt so left alone in the postpartum period. I just felt like, you know... I, I saw my pediatrician, certainly, and you still do, right? You see your pediatrician certainly more times than you see your OB. Yeah. You know, there are some major yeah. complications that can happen postpartum um, just from, like, the blood loss and not to mention the mood disorders, right? But just, you know, even yeah. the the clotting and stuff like that, that's really scary. But, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining the same things apply for postpartum women, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You are exactly right. Um, there are still things that can happen in the postpartum period that would definitely warrant women coming in to be seen and evaluated and make sure that they're safe. And so things like increased bleeding, things like developing headaches um, that won't go away, blood pressures that are elevated, we definitely want to be seeing women back during that time. Um, I will say nationally there is recognition by obstetricians that we need to revamp the way that we do postpartum care. Speaking to uh, your concerns, you know, there's always been this philosophy that, you know, we'll see you in six weeks. And, you know, we are realizing and we know that women need a lot more support during that time period. And six weeks, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot has happened in that time that they potentially could have needed help with. And so um, we're always... We're, we are always willing to see people sooner um, if there are complications that are coming up. 
I do think it's important too for women to advocate for themselves in that regard too. It's it's almost like you know the standard of care for postpartum women hasn't quite caught up to what we need yet. And while I know ACOG and the professional um, you know societies recognize what we're dealing with on the front lines of being pregnant, right? But uh, sort of the the insurance piece of it, and then the just the care piece of it. It's sort of slow to catch up, in my opinion. So I feel like women should advocate for themselves as far as like if they're noticing any of those things to to really know that it's okay to reach out. Absolutely. It is absolutely okay to reach out. We want women to reach out um, because you're exactly right. You know, changing these longstanding care processes takes time. Um, but we want women to be advocating for themselves. If they have any questions or concerns at all, um, we want them to call us or come in. Okay, perfect. Dr. Tori Metz, she's an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Utah. Dr. Metz, thank you so much for your time today, and I wish you the best of luck with that study you're doing. I'd love to check back in with you to uh, find out the results when they come in, possibly early 2021. We won't know, uh, but I'd love to, to hear the results of what you find out. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Perfect. We'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us on The Mom Show.